0: Welcome to the 14 News Podcast, with your host, James Coppert. Hi, I'm Incas. How are you all? I'm just going to go for it. I've recorded this little note a couple of times and um, re-recorded it because I got a little bit emotional. Um, I just want to say thank you. Thank you sincerely from the bottom of my heart. You guys are spreading the word and letting people know, leaving reviews and things like that, and our listenership has just suddenly rocketed. And that's down to you guys. It's not not me. I don't pay do any advertising, um, you know. But as, as you know, a lot of work goes into the show, and it costs me to host it each month. And now I'm getting these huge numbers... Not huge numbers, I mean, compared to most people, it's probably not big. Huge numbers to what we were getting is, is just mind-blowing, and it just fills me with... Just such a warm, wonderful feeling, and I'm just deeply grateful to every single one of you. If you just told someone, or mentioned it, or left a review, I I just want to say thank you so, so much. It's just makes it worthwhile now. It's, I mean, it made it worthwhile before, even if one person listened, and it made, you know, it gave someone some entertainment, or passed a bit of time, or or, or inspired some thinking, or anything like that, or just had a laugh. So, but now, so many people, it's just really really wonderful and I'm not going to blab on and get emotional again but I just wanted to start this show just with a massive massive thank you and uh, to our new listeners welcome this is 14 news podcast and what I love as well is we've got this this kind of community there's a few of you out there who who chat to me and it's just wonderful all of you are really lovely people who I'd happily you know sit down and have a meal with and that's what I want to continue and keep going so let's you know, that, that let's let's build on that community. And as part of that, I've started a Discord group. So if you're interested in being part of that, where we can just chat, talk about things that we discussed, um, anything that's on the show, ask questions, you know, take the mic, whatever you want to do. If you're interested, just get in touch. It's 40NewsPodcast at gmail.com. And I'll give you the link the same on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So go check us out there. What I want to do today, though, is um, having a chat with a few people, my partner over, like the last couple of weeks. And what I haven't actually done is given you my—I've answered questions and given you little kind of bits here and there, but not giving you my kind of overarching hypothesis on what all this is and what it means. And that's what I want to do. I want to do here today as well as this is the feedback to the show so the after show show that I promised so kind of answer some of your questions um, discussions and discussions and just have a chat with you on those things. A lot of you have told me as well that you like me to kind of talking about my experiences so I've given you a lot of the big things but I've started keeping a book of just jotting down quickly just the little things that occur as well so I'm going to start feeding back these each each episode and um, just, just let me know what you think. It's your show, as I keep saying, and we'll we'll do what you like and want. So uh anyway, we'll get on to my hypothesis next and see what you think. Be happy to tear it apart if you feel like it, get in touch and uh but yeah, let's let's take it away. This is the Copper Hypothesis. Now, I choose those words carefully. So a theory is something that you can, for those that you that don't know, and I don't wish to patronise anyone, a theory is, is something that you can test. You come up with an idea, you create a theory, because you've got lots of evidence to base that theory upon, you then create experiments to test that theory, and then you find out if your theory is correct, or whether you need to re-evaluate your theory, or come up with a whole new theory. A hypothesis is the beginning of a thought process. It's an idea to which maybe a theory will eventually come out of and then you base your, you know, once you've got more evidence and things. But again, to to go full circle at the very beginning of the conversation, I truly believe that this will always, always remain a hypothesis and that is the very point. Now, I just want to say, I've not scripted this, so if it sounds quite rambly, that's on purpose. I wanted to deliver it just as a a consciousness of me rambling on philosophically as if I'm sat down with you having a pint in a pub rather than write something really solid. I just want to kind of let my ideas flow out of me and just have a conversation. So I apologise for those of you that like the more structured version of when I ramble, um, but this is going to be more of a, just kind of me giving you some of my ideas and consciousness as if I'm delivering this in one of my talks that I do wherever I go. Although when I do those, I'm normally stood up and walking around and uh, people that are filming me get really agitated because I can't stand still, but that's part of it, as you will find out. So it's quite hard to deliver it sat down, I'm going to give it my best go. <laughs> So this is kind of my ideas of what it all is and what it means and why it exists, and there are probably other people that have delivered parts of it far more eloquently than me. There potentially someone's delivered exactly the same thing, um, you know, that I just haven't heard yet, or, or very similar. And I know the people that delivered similar, but this is from all my experiences and all my research and all my hours of contemplation and thinking as to why this exists. And as I said, as it's a hypothesis, and again, the point of it is it's hypothesis, tomorrow, my ideas will potentially have completely changed and they will evolve and change as, as time goes on. And, that, and again, I believe that is the point. So who am I? Why is this random podcaster, a nobody, putting across this idea? Well, if I give you some of my background, and so I know a lot of you who've listened for a while already know, There are some ideas as to why it is and potentially, and again, to go full circle, maybe the beginning of the things that occurred from my birth onwards up to this very point and the experiences leading me to want to do research, leading me to want to do a podcast, was the whole point that those things occurred in the past to enable this moment now, potentially. And I know that's very uh, philosophical and deep, but, you know, who knows? Let's go back to the beginning. And I don't want to tread over too much old ground for those of you who listen for ages, so I'm going to kind of skim over things in, in a way, um, but hopefully provide enough that listening doesn't make it boring, and talk about neurodiversity, which I know I've spoken about a lot, so I'm, I'm only going to skim over that. I was born, obviously, uh, with ADHD, and we'll come on to why that's important, but you know, I was born and, and from the, from birth would, would cry pretty much 24, 23 hours a day and sleep for an hour. It was exceptionally difficult for my parents. My, my ADHD was kind of so acute that I would, um, my parents almost gave me up because it was unbearable. I don't know why they had another kid two years later, but they did. And, uh, it, it was, you know, from, from a very, very young age, paranormal activity would, would always occur around me. Um, not always. It wasn't you know, every ten minutes something was happening, but it was a, it was a feature. It was a definite feature of of my childhood that my my parents speak about. And my you know my father tells the story. I don't remember because I was too young. But I didn't I didn't sleep much, and so when I used to say right I'm going to bed, my parents thought it was a bit weird because you know. But I, I looking back and looking at child behaviour. Maybe it's because I wanted some private time in my bedroom and knew that I'd be left alone if I turned them off to bed and gone to sleep. I would go upstairs, I'd shut the door. This is the age of maybe, you know, between ages of two and three. Shut the door and I'd start chatting to my friend. And my parents would hear my friend t- chat back. And when they opened the door, there was no one else there. And and I would play with this other child and and they would say that I'd quite clearly see them communicate with this other person, the timing and the way that I would respond. And, you know, there was something definite occurring there and I would play games and hide or seek and all these type of things Um, to even, you know, again, my father telling a story of the the plaster on the wall suddenly got really hot and it just started flying off the wall one, one time to other things. You know, just moving um, around me, and just just very strange occurrences. To you know, we moved into a different home where those things just didn't occur. Which again has been a a, a kind of frequent aspect of my life. Is I would move in some homes, and nothing would occur whatsoever. There'd be no paranormal activity to other homes that it would be frequent or to a lesser extent and each had its own identifiable characteristic now and again this this you know wasn't always positive you know I wasn't interested in it like I was now we we moved as as a lot of you would know but before I tell this i suppose another quite quite a big one when we were i was at primary school and we were doing about the senses, you know, you, you sense of smell, touch, um, what you could hear, all those type of things. And we went out in the playground to do an exercise with, with our entire class and the teacher. What can you see? And everyone's looking around, and I said, a UFO. And we all looked up, and there it was. So we were all, whether, again, it's a conscious thing, if we were looking for something. And up above me, there was a, this UFO, and it was cigar-shaped, and it was just floating there. It wasn't. Didn't seem to be moving. It was completely silver metallic. No windows. No wings. No tail. It was just this metal UFO. Yeah. And uh, the teacher witnessed it. That the whole class wrote about it. And th- those type of things occurred. You know that that got me interested in UFOs as well as the paranormal type of thing. And as we went into we moved up north and went into Brompton, into this medieval house, with an emphasis on the evil. <laughs> there things that occurred that had a very, very dark, you know, feeling. And it, it was like the things of a horror film. And again, I'm not I'm only gonna g- kind of go over this because it was, you know, I've spoken about it in, in quite depth on, on other shows, but it was like swarms of flies would appear, there were puddles of water would appear. Um, You know, we lived in that house for years and then the kitchen just suddenly started springing water underground and then would stop and then not occur again, which, you know, that that one thing potentially has an explanation. But apparitions, um, people running through the house upstairs as if they're running through walls and that, but really loud, almost purposely when you're on your own to scare you. And, you know, um, just your normal poltergeist activity of you turn around and something was just hovering in midair in front of you. Before just suddenly dropping to the ground, or things just moving. I remember pull um, not pool table, table football, foosball balls just rolling up and down, like someone was just pushing them too, you know. And again, with other people witnessing things just literally flying across the room, you would just see something just shoot off the shelf right across the room in front of you. But the previous owners had committed suicide, and for some reason, I I, I knew that and wouldn't go in my parents' room. No one told me. And, um, but, but I, since finding out the previous owners before that commit suicide, and obviously that was a factor in my own family as well, uh, to, to, to see in a, what I described as maybe the potential for all of this, the, the potential explanation was this, I don't want to say a shadow person, because I, I think that's slightly something different, but it was a, it was a figure that was blacker than black. And it purposely ran from behind me when I was outside I turned around because I heard someone running at me and it skimmed past as close as you possibly could go past me without touching me and just dripped in this vile hatred and nastiness. It's, I've never felt anything like it. It's just It was just vile and ran around the corner. Obviously, I didn't, I didn't want to follow that. And that house had its very own thing. So at that period, the paranormal was something... Very negative that I, I wanted no part of, and wanted to escape from. Um, to then things getting more playful when I moved out. To then a, a building I worked in, and, and again this is this is what makes this quite extraordinary. To this this building in particular was was occupied. You know, I, I'm a professional um, in my full time job, and these these were, were my team were other professionals to the point where they're called into court to be a witness. And, and clusters a reliable witness um, in, involved in in certain cases, without kind of giving giving away their occupation more for them than for me. And um, you know th- these were people who were very kind of serious people. We we had a laugh as well, but most of them I, I, out of a team of about twenty, there was myself and one other person whose mum dabbled in in kind of mediumship, um, who who believed in the paranormal, and everyone else was poo in it to working in that building where things occurred at such a high frequency particularly when when I went in there for for again we'll we'll come on to the ADHD thing in a minute um that not one of them now doesn't believe in the paranormal it's it was an exceptional building where you could literally just say move move that for me please and it would it would lift off the ground or or move to things operating in front, and and these what's amazing as well is, is this was with multiple multiple witnesses, maybe eight people at a time that as I say they were professionals, of professionals, more of a witness than than someone that isn't a professional. But the point is, these people would write reports or even be witnesses in a courtroom um, that that decided the fate of some families. Let's put it like that. So, so some very you know very serious people would witness this thing and um it would even cost the 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 organization money because we worked with some people clients that wouldn't even go in the rooms wouldn't even go in that building because they witnessed things so that that was amazing and it, and it was very playful and it gave a different aspect to it and it, all these experiences it enabled me to be, get quite obsessed in a very ad ADHD way with with all that was going on um to the point I decided to start the show and, and I literally research this every single day. So every single day I research the news on every bit of 14, um experiences that have occurred that have been written about in the news as, as much as I can find literally every single day. I read books on it every day. I listen to podcasts on it every single day um, very obsessively and because it fascinates me because there isn't an answer and I'm, I'm trying to find an answer that I'll never find, but that's why. And, so just alone, you know, in terms of research, I've probably done more research than, than people that are at uni- university studying this stuff overall. Um, and, and the ADHD thing, why, why do I mention it? So I know a lot of people who've been listening to the show for a while know about my neurodiversity kind of idea. And a big shout-out to Andy, who um, listens to the show, who's been messaging me about the the brain and some of his ideas as well and experiences. I don't know if you fancy coming on the show, Andy. That'd be brilliant if you could. I've not asked him yet, but um, I'm asking him now on the show. See what he says. It'd be really interesting to chat to you about that. But, yeah, for those, I don't want to go, as I said, too in-depth over it because I've spoken about it quite a lot. But it's the idea that I think we can all say that it's fairly kind of grounded knowledge that children seem to have an ability to um, be, be witness to the paranormal more than than adults do. That seems to be quite a commonplace experience. And as we, you know, the brain changes quite fundamentally into adolescence and again uh, into adulthood. And I believe that we we lose some of that partly through social programming, um, which we could go into for hours talking about that. Um, but also just in terms of the brain development maybe is potentially different for someone that's neurodiverse, and that's not to say that only neurodiverse people can carry that on. Because I know people who definitely have experiences and 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 definitely s- seem to have some sort of clairvoyance, um, clairvoyance, or you know, in in have any of the clairs that that aren't neurodiverse. But also a lot of people that I've come across that are witness to this. Um, and I've I've done you know research, just some some very basic research, talking to um, neurodiverse people on web forums, asking, going in and asking them, and then doing the same thing to people that aren't neurodiverse and seeing the results that I get. And it it seems quite a high number of neurodiverse people have paranormal experiences as opposed to neurotypical people. And um, when I say neurodiverse, just for those of again, those that don't know, without patronising anyone that does. Um those those that uh, have things like ADHD or autism, dyslexia, uh, Tourette's all those type of things are classed as neurodiverse and neurotypical the people that, that that don't. So the brain potentially develops slightly differently and they maintain some of their childhood ability to sense these. So so that's, that's again, it's another hypothesis that I've had and something potentially that one day I will write a book on. Let's let's uh, keep my fingers crossed that I will have time one day and, and do some more of that research. So all those years from my entire life of experiences and being the type of person I am and the work that I do allows me to reflect on what those experiences mean and why they occur and why it occurs to me potentially, as well as... My in-depth research gave me the opportunity, the way my mind works anyway is I do deeply philosophise on everything and, and contemplation and look at, you know, existentialism, um, as, you know, the meaning of life, etc. And all those have kind of coalesced into maybe, again, the reason they did occur is that because I'm that type of person, which is why I'm sat here today talking to you and trying to deliver this idea. But let let me just go straight into it. I'm just going to give it to you in one sentence, and then I'm going to elaborate and open up on that. I believe, from my experience and my research, that all this high strangeness is a creation that interacts with our consciousness. It's created by consciousness and interacts with our consciousness. And its entire purpose is to make us aware of our consciousness by testing the fringes of our reality. Now, by stating that, that completely disagrees with something I get asked quite frequently is, do you think we're in a matrix? To me, the idea that we're in a some sort of simulation is exactly the same theory, but we're just given a modern version of the Greek and Roman gods are up there on mount olympus playing games with us in our lives and putting things in our way to see how we interact for their entertainment it's exactly the same idea and concept i don't believe that it just doesn't sit well with me i i think the purpose of this high strangeness is there to ask us to test what is reality by testing what is reality we therefore have to attach ourselves more deeply to our own consciousness and seeing consciousness as something very different by things that... Um, we're past the debate now of of do these things exist? Obviously there's many occurrences that there there are rational explanations and anyone that knows me as a paranormal investigator will tell you that I am the most likely to debunk anything that you give me first because by doing that we're left with maybe the the 1% that is the definite unknown and and there still be might be you know explanations for that 0.5% but there is another 0.5 that is completely unknown you know when you've got multiple witnesses that see something that is bends the laws of reality and physics those things occur i think on purpose to ask us to to test what is reality what is our consciousness and by doing that we're enabled to potentially advance ourselves spiritually yeah. into new ideas, new concepts, new ways of thinking and new parts of our brain. And by constantly going, that isn't, isn't true and that, that is impossible. It's not allowing that evolution. And I think that we are, are doing that to enable us to think and be connected and, and respond. And, and I think it's, it's no mistake... And no coincidence that, for example, in my life, I've, I've only seen three UFOs. So the one I, I told you at the beginning, there was one where there was five of us had been to see the Blair Witch Project. The five of us in a car witnessed a, a, a giant green ball of light above uh, Staxton Hill, RAF Staxton Hill, which is the air force for those overseas listeners, which then just shot vertically up into the sky, to... Um, the last one, the most recent one that I spoke about on this show, I was I was listening to an interview with a ufologist in my car driving along and joked that I was going into an area where there's some of the highest <laughs> ratings of UFO sightings in the world and saying, would I see one? I was consciously thinking about UFOs and joking about it and putting it out there into other people to think about as well by by making those jokes. And by doing that, potentially that the UFO occurred as part of my conscientious state. The same as you know, once this this room that we worked in, this building that we worked in. Sorry, the more people that started to believe and had experiences, and I believe I had experiences, not because I'm special, not because I'm chosen, but because I was, because I was researching this every day, open to about it, discuss it all the time with people, and. I was more attached within that consciousness to allow those things to then be manipulated and occur. The amount of people that have said, you're not coming to my house anymore because it's me. And it isn't me. It's potentially a connection to that consciousness. And and because more people believed in the, the, the Polargeist activity in that work building, including our users believed it and started spe- speaking about it in the community... The more things and more frequently, and the high end of level of things occurred. I think that is no coincidence either, and and that's almost a a piece of evidence for, for within the hypothesis. I know I've said before as well. If you go in a home where there is a traditional poltergeist activity occurring, and you start stating that. It's actually a, a, a bear, the ghost of a bear. Now, I genuinely believe that people will start seeing apparitions of that bear because you're tapped into that consciousness. But, and I know some people do get upset because I, I don't necessarily believe it's the, the the ghosts of the dead causing this stuff. And I think that, that in this country is a modern concept that poltergeist activity was caused by ghosts. And if you look around the world in terms of, you know, Native Americans, with the um, the the coyote, to you know, we've had gnomes, elves, house elves, you know, fairies. Different traditions had different things, that but the same experiences, the same poltergeist activity. And it's more recently that we've started to say that it's the undead now. And again, and it, it's a really important thing. Again, and and, and it adds, it lies into this this concept and this hypothesis. That's not to say that that stuff doesn't occur as well. And whatever I put a rule on, or anyone puts a rule on, you will find that this activity evolves almost to stop that rule from being effective, again, to continually enable you to test reality. If if you come up with a theory that ties all poltergeist activity together and say, it behaves in this way, and it always does this, and it does this and this, and if you do this, this will happen. I genuinely believe, from my research and experiences, that that activity will then change purposely to discredit your theory of how it should behave. And again, that is its point. Its, its point is to say, you're not allowing this to rule your laws of science upon it. The whole point is to blur the edges of reality. And again, and it's not to say that there aren't experiences where people have passed and relatives or other people or activity occurs immediately after. Now, and again, is this consciousness? Is this consciousness, if we're looking at, you know, things to do with, you know, you, your very pop quantum physics ideas that, that the past is still occurring and, and different dimensions are occurring and that person's still alive and we're attached in some consciousness, potentially, potentially. Again, all we can do is hypothesise on that um, to do with the fact that there are people or ancestors with their consciousness still within us that are now projecting that into the world. You know, I I, I will state 100% now that when my, my brother passed away, um, a couple of days later, he he appeared to me as solid as a person that is alive today would appear to me. And I have absolutely no doubts whatsoever that, you know, that wasn't a hallucination. He was there. And interestingly enough, my grandfather was having a nap. And I've told this story before. Someone grabbed hold of his glasses and he woke up with a start like, oh, you know, because someone pulled the glasses off his face while he was napping. And he saw him as well the same day. And my mum saw him the same day as well. All in that one day. And then we never saw him again. I mean, none of us knew that. And, and it was only when on that night when we communicated with each other where where we went, I can't believe that you saw him, you know, because I saw him today as well. So there is, whatever I come up with, that you will be able to say, no, that's not right because of this. But then, again, do we come back to that is the point. The point is to bend reality, to attach ourselves more to the idea that reality is by tangible experience and there are certain laws within our tangible experience and this is something beyond that and the whole point is to test our idea of that, to know that there is something beyond that and by attaching more spiritually if we can call it spiritually, to that other level of consciousness that we're all connected to will allow us to potentially evolve into things like communicating without talking to someone on a phone or a device. You know, it's all these type of things. Is that the reason why it's there? Is that the reason why we are able to evolve? Um, and and do, I don't know, you know, that's that's the, the next step of my thinking. But this is what I truly believe. I truly believe that the whole point is just, just, and I've rambled on for ages just to say that very simple thing, that the, the whole point of this is to test our version of reality and attach ourselves more into that consciousness. So there it is, and I know that was a very kind of rambly, probably quite ugly stream of consciousness, for want of a better, better word, but I hope you found it entertaining, and I hope it maybe plants some seed for some different ideas, alternative ideas or viewpoints or... Or do you completely agree or disagree? Yeah, let me know, I'd be really interested to know what you think. But um, yeah, that, that's, that's it, that's it in a nutshell. So from that, I guess, let's just go on to some of the experiences that I've had recently. requested. You know, normally I talk about some of the bigger things that occur and this is just some of the smaller things. Um, but you, you said that you find it interesting, so I'm just going to deliver them. We'll start with uh, my mum. So my mum moved into a place in, in um, that Those of you that are familiar with Paul Sinclair's work will have heard of um, it's She lives in a little bungalow with her husband. And when they first moved in there, I, I went, There was one room and I was just like, this just feels very strange, this room. It's like there's someone else in here. You know, you felt like you're being watched. The the atmosphere was very heavy. Um, And it just felt a little bit different different than the rest of the house. And my mum's husband was keeping his clothes in there. And things have started happening to them.